0: Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. And Revelation chapter 12 is a great chapter. It's only got 17 verses. And as I say often, they're action-packed. It seems like everything in the book of Revelation is action-packed. And you move from one chapter to the next and you're studying something totally different. And, And they all go together pretty much. But still, you've got different aspects of what we're going through. And here's a good outline that somebody gave on this. And it says... And I'm not going to give you by the verses, just give you, it's, it's six points. But the first one is the sun clothed woman. The sun clothed woman. And of course, we'll see her in the first two verses of chapter number 12 there. And then you have, secondly, the satanic leader. The satanic leader. And then as you go down in verse. Five and that area you'll find the savior ruler of nations the savior ruler of nations as you continue down you'll see a war takes place so what you see is the struggle in heaven the struggle in heaven you'll see that down in verses 7 8 9 10 all that area And then we see the security, the security provided for Israel. The security provided for Israel. God's going to take care of those people during the tribulation. That's all the way down in verses 13, 14, and 15, 16. And then finally, the serpent's warfare. That'll be verse 17. I still wasn't going to give you verses. I didn't have them written down, but I know the chapter. The serpent's warfare and so that's kind of a pretty good little outline of that chapter and there's some great things in here and right off the bat there becomes a little controversy and there's not any controversy to the student of God's word it's the only controversy like Dr. Burrow was speaking a moment ago among these theologians especially these theologians that are theologians in their own mind and so <laughs> you got to watch out for that bunch. It never fails every time I go and do a Bible conference. I've been do a lot of them, and I've got several lined up for this year and in different states and countries, foreign countries too. It never fails there'll be some self acclaimed theologian show up, and you can tell that they're very intellectual, but yet they have the brains of a dead squirrel and even though they're very intellectual, they don't know anything they have no common sense they don't know anything about the Bible, but they can Produced big words and all these different things. And they might be well read. But they couldn't divide the word of God if their life depended on it. I mean, they're in a mess what they're in. And so you get these people. And we attract them for some reason. <laughs> Everywhere I go to do one of these, it seems like the devil sends one to mess with you, you know. But anyway, I've gotten used to it. I kind of enjoy it now. But <laughs> just have a good time with them. We've had some crazy incidents in the past. <laughs> Um, we've had to lock doors and churches to keep people out, um, call the police craziest in other States. I mean, Bible conferences will bring them out. All right. And now we're in the book tonight. So revelation chapter 12, you say, do we have that here? We don't have that here. I mean, the sheriff goes to our church. Praise the Lord. We don't put up with it. Revelation chapter 12 and verse number one, it says, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun. And the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. Now we read about this woman, and we read about her in Revelation chapter number 12. And that 12 stands for something. 12 in your Bible is the number for Israel. It's a Jewish number. As a matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 12... Abrams called out to make a great nation. And we know which nation that is. It's not a Muslim nation or Muslim nation or Mohammedan nation. What it is, is it's not an Arab nation, it's the nation of Israel. Then in Exodus chapter 12, the nation of Israel gets its beginnings. And then they have 12 tribes and 12 spies. There's 12 stones on the breastplate of the high priest, which represents the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. There just so happens to be 12 Jewish apostles. Jesus was 12 years old when he went to the Jewish temple. All through, and then you get in Revelation 12, and we're going to see it in action again. We see a woman here. And the Bible says, And there appeared a great wonder in verse 1 in heaven. And by the way, incidentally, there's two great wonders that take place in heaven in this chapter. The first one is this woman clothed with the sun, verse 1. The second one is in verse 3. He says, and there appeared another wonder in heaven, and beheld a great red dragon. So the second one's a great red dragon. Both of these appear in heaven, and they're wonders, the Bible says. And so, you see some things in this chapter. Chapter 12 is a chapter of great things as well. As a matter of fact, you see in verse 1, a great wonder. In verse 3, a great red dragon. In verse 12, great wrath. In verse 14, two wings of a great eagle. It's a chapter of great things, a great wonder, a great red dragon, great wrath, two wings of a great eagle. Now, let's get back to this woman here. And in verse 1, it says, there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. Now, you might ask, who is this woman? That'd be a good question right off the bat. Now, if you're a Catholic, the woman's Mary. That's what the Catholic Church teaches. They teach that this is Mary, and they've got pictures of Mary standing on the moon. There it is. And so they've got all these drawings of Mary and stuff on the moon, and the sun shining behind her, you know, and they've got her. They call her the Queen of Heaven. And what they don't realize is the Queen of Heaven is Astreth. It's a female demon. It's a devil's what it is, and you get that book, the two Babylon's. You can read all about her. It's all in that stuff. It all goes along with that. And anyway, you've got all that stuff, and they say, well, it's Mary, and what they'll say is this: they'll say, well, see, she had a child, she gave birth, and they'll say Mary is the mother of God. Let me just say tonight, God didn't have a mother. You say, what do you mean he didn't have a mother? He's always been. Mary's not the mother of God. She was the mother of Jesus. You say, well, I thought Jesus is God. Yeah, but Jesus has always been. She just gave birth to him in his earthly body. The Bible never says that she's the mother of God. As a matter of fact, Christ never even called her mother one time in his life. You can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you'll never find one instance where he called her mother. He called her woman in every instance. The only time he called her mother is when he told her, he told John, he said, "Behold thy mother, your mother, John." And he told John, "Behold your," son, told her, "Look at John, behold your son." And what he was saying is, "I'm dying." joseph's gone he was probably dead and christ commended her to him to take care take care of one another there she was john was taking care of her and that's what he did there but he always called her woman and so anyway you get that kind of teaching which is crazy and then um so they teach that another thing about mary is she never fled into the wilderness this woman right here does And Mary, and by the way, when this woman flees into the wilderness, it's in the tribulation period. Do you know where Mary's at in the tribulation? Same place she's at right now. Heaven. He got it. She's in heaven. And she'll be in heaven in the tribulation period. And so to teach that is irresponsible, firstly. Secondly, to teach it is unscriptural. And thirdly, it's just downright heresy. (laughs) That's all there is to it. Another... Belief by the Reformation area, especially during that time, is they've got this woman being the church. Now, they got the church on their mind about like a Baptist brighter during that time. And everything's the church, you know. The church this and the church that. But here's another problem with that. The church is not in the tribulation period. She's gone. And the church didn't give birth to Christ either. Christ gave birth to the church just the opposite. So that's backwards as we see. And so you might ask, well, who is this woman? Well, it's obviously clear. Let's read it again. Verse one. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head, a crown of 12 stars. You say, who is she? She's Israel. You've got revelation chapter 12. Twelve is the number of the Jew, twelve is the number of Israel. You say, how do we really know it's Israel? Okay, take your Bible, go to Genesis 37. We'll just compare Scripture with Scripture. You say, what's that make you? A Bible believer. Genesis 37. I'm, I have a feeling we're amongst a bunch of Bible believers tonight. Genesis 37. Now, those people that don't believe the Bible, they think you're dumb until they get in a room with you. As long as they're on the Internet, you're done. I was reading some stuff, one just recently, and all the stuff he was going through and why the King James is wrong and blah, 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 and on and on. And while he was writing, every, every other sentence I'd say, I'd question him there, there, there. He left himself open, kind of like a boxer. He thinks he's real tough, and he, he, doesn't have, he throws a punch but doesn't have any defense. Has holes in his boxing? Well, that's what happened with that guy. I didn't say nothing, though. I'm not a Facebook warrior. (laughs) Anybody can get behind a keyboard and talk. I'd rather meet them in the parking lot or something. We'll talk about it there. Genesis 37. When they don't have the Internet, and they don't have their phone, and they don't have their friends to tell them what to say, they keep their mouth shut. What do you mean I can't copy and paste while we're talking? (laughs) No, we're going to see what you know. Amen. You say, what do you know? I know I got a Bible that's the Word of God and doesn't have any errors in it. I know that. Genesis 37. Genesis 37 begins the story of Joseph, one of the greatest men in the Bible. He's the greatest type of Christ in the Old Testament. And, of course, his brothers hated him because his dad loved him so much. And Joseph was a dreamer. God gave him dreams. And it says all the way down in verse number 9, And he dreamed yet another dream. And, it, and told it his brethren. And said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. So they bowed to me. You say, what's that talking about? Well, they know. Look in verse 10. And he told it to his father and his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, what is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee, to the earth? And his brethren envied him. And the fact of the matter is, yes, they did bow before him and they needed bread. (laughs) It did happen. God gave him the dream, but they couldn't take it. But you say, well, what's the point here? Verse 9, he says, I saw the sun and the moon and the 11 stars made obeisance. And his father rebuked him because he understood it. He said, what is this dream? Shall I, that's the sun, and thy mother, the moon, and thy brethren, indeed, come to bow down? You say, who's his brethren? His His 11 brethren plus himself makes 12 are the 12 tribes of Israel. It's the same description you're reading in Revelation chapter 12. And so when you get in Revelation chapter 12, it says there was a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. Just like you read in Genesis 37, you're reading it again. You say, who is she? Who could she be other than Israel? Because it's from Israel that Christ came. Look in verse 2. And she, in Revelation 12 too, and she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. Now that's where people get messed up on this because that's where they get thinking it's Mary because they see that. There's four women mentioned in the book of Revelation, by the way. The first one is Jezebel. You say, who's she? Ahab's bride. She's a rough character too. That's a type of paganism and idol worship. She was a bell worshiper. The second one that I'll mention is the great whore of Revelation 17. Satan's bride. Type of the apostate church. The third one is Israel. God the Father's bride. Over and over in the, book, in the, in the Old Testament, he says that Israel's his wife. And the fourth one is the church, the Lamb's Bride. That's Revelation 19 and verse 7, by the way. And so you got four different women found in the book of Revelation. This one we're dealing with is Israel. And so as we deal with her, we're seeing these things. And we're seeing that she brought forth Christ. Now let's look at a couple of scriptures to back this up. Turn to Isaiah 66. We'll say that Christ came from Israel. Isaiah 66, 66 chapters, in Isaiah 66 books in your Bible. Isaiah is called the miniature Bible. You can take every chapter of Isaiah, and you can match it with each book of the Bible. You can find chapter 1, and to match it with Genesis, chapter 2 with Exodus, chapter 3, and so forth, and so on, all the way to the end. You get in chapter 66, you can find Revelation in it, all the way through. Isaiah 66, Isaiah 66, verse 7. Before she travailed, she brought forth. You say, who's the she? She's the Israel. <laughs> Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man-child. Now, I think we heard something, we're going to hear something like that in a Revelation, because Revelation 12, 5 says that she brought forth a man-child. Same wording. Verse 8, Isaiah 66, 8. Who hath heard such a thing? Nobody's heard that. Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion, that's Israel, travailed, travailed, just like in Revelation, she brought forth her children. Shall I bring to the birth and not cause to bring forth, saith the Lord? Shall I cause to bring forth and shut the womb, saith the Lord? thy God. Rejoice ye with Jerusalem and be glad with her, all ye that love her. Rejoice for joy with her, all ye that mourn for her. What do you see? We see that she travailed like it says in Revelation. We see that she brought forth a man-child just like Revelation. No doubt Christ came from Israel. How about another one? Romans chapter 9. Romans 9. You say, what are we in? You're in a Bible study. Romans 9. Hope we are. Romans 9. Romans 9. Now, I'm like Brother Robinson. You don't take everything I say, take this book's word for it. Check it out with the book. That's our final authority the book, the Word of God. But my desire is. You preachers and teachers ought to be able to leave here and be able to teach Revelation to somebody. But don't just take what I give you. Build on that. Learn more as you go. i try to learn more every time I go through it. I've taught the book of Revelation no fewer than ten times, verse by verse, all the way through. And I say no fewer because I don't know how many times, but no fewer than that. You say, what do you know about it? Every time I study it, I know less about it than I did the time before. If you ever get where you know everything about it, you better pray to God and say, God, help me. Because I'm in a place I can't learn. Revelation 9, or Romans 9. Making sure you're paying attention. Romans 9, verse 4. Who are Israelites? To whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises? Whose are the fathers and of whom? As concerning the flesh, Christ came. You say, who? The Israelites, whom is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. I don't know how much more plainer we could make it. Or rather, let me say the the Lord could make it. Hebrews chapter 7. It's more than he came from Israel. It's more than he was an Israelite. Let's get it narrowed down even a little bit. Closer. Hebrews 7. Hebrews 7, you get studying about these high priests. And he becomes our high priest. And it talks about the priests of old were from Levi. And these, the Levites. And they died. And they had to replace them. Of course, when our high priest came, there was no more replacement. And they all came from there. And Melchizedek, it talks about him. But when you get down in verse 13 of chapter 7 of Hebrews, it says, For he, this speaking of Jesus, of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe, of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. He may not have spoke it, but God spoke it later. You say, where did he come from? Judah. He sprang out of that tribe. He was born out of the tribe of Judah. Earthly speaking, Christ came from Judah, and Judah is a tribe of Israel. And so when it says that this woman gave birth, there's no doubt we've got Scripture to back that up. She travailed, just as the Scripture says. All right, back to Revelation 12. Revelation 12. And I say that because some people have this child even being somebody else. And so you're getting a mess right there. There's no doubt who the child's talking about. Look in verse 5. And she brought forth a man child. That's what Isaiah said. Who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Now tell me who in history that could be other than the Lord Jesus Christ. It never says anything about that rod of iron outside of Christ. Every single time it's mentioned. And we'll get that here in a little bit. But let's go on down to verse 3 now. Revelation 12:3. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. Now that's pretty wild, you got to admit. Red always symbolizes blood and war, and no doubt he's going to bring it when he comes. And I know what you might be thinking, maybe not. I don't think you are. your Bible believers. But I know what's a dragon. Nobody knows. There's not. Shouldn't that be a crocodile? That's how they do stuff. And a lot of times in the Bible where you read the word dragon, they want to change it with crocodile. Why can't they just leave it alone? You say, well, I've never seen a dragon. I bet you've never seen heaven either, have you? <laughs> Did you ever see God? You say, oh, yeah, I saw him. No, well, then you ought to be dead. <laughs> i not God lived. You're going against the scriptures if you've seen him. You say, no, I had not seen him. Well, I hadn't either, but I still believe in him. I believe in heaven. I believe in hell. I haven't seen any of those things. And I've not seen this dragon, but I believe in him. And he's a great red dragon. And the Bible says he's got seven heads and ten horns. Now, no doubt these heads have seven crowns on them, like they're king's. But these kings are his kings. He's the God of this earth, God of this world, the scripture says. He's running things down here. Now you've got some people, they'll go through the Bible and they'll give you different kings and it makes sense. And maybe that's the case, I don't know. But you know, you start out the very first kingdom in your Bible is Genesis 10, is Nimrod. He's the king of Babylon. He's the first king anywhere in the Bible. That book, The Two Babylons, some of you are purchasing from our bookstore here. That's all in there. All that stuff's about that. That's where it all starts. That's where that great horror begins. our beginning. Babylon. Babylon the Great. You get in Revelation 17, you can go all the way back to Genesis and see the problems all the way back there. And that religious system's going all the way through it. Then you've got Pharaoh. Dr. Burrell's been teaching on him. Egypt. He's the king of Egypt. And then you'd have Sennacherib. Assyria, he came next. Then you got Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon again, the Chaldees over there in Iraq, that area. Boy, he took the children of Israel into captivity. And then you could say Cyrus with Persia. I know the Medes and all that, but you got Persia was the main focus right there. And then you go down and you've got Alexander the Great with Greece. You say, well, don't mention Alexander the Great, it mentions Greece. And it says they've got a king coming and it prophesied of him. And then you've got Caesar with Rome. When the New Testament shows up, that's who's in power. So you've got seven of those. Many believe that Rome will be in power in the tribulation period. I don't know that they will, but I think that whole religious system will be. That whole religious system that goes with Rome and all the way back to Babylon, which are tied and interwoven together all the way through, that's going to be the religion of the Antichrist. It's going to turn into worship hymns, what it's going to be. And then you got 10 horns over here. I know what 10 is. 10 is the number of the Gentiles. In Genesis 10, it gives all the genealogies of the Gentiles. Acts 10, the gospel is given to the Gentiles. See all kinds of things. I'm not going to go through all the Bible numerics tonight, but there's a lot on 10. But these are Gentile people. And the devil's running things right now, in case you don't know it. You say, well, how do these people get in power? He's putting them in power. He's running things. That's why your vote doesn't really matter anymore. He's in charge down here on earth. And when the tribulation begins, the Gentiles will be in power. It won't be Israel in power, it'll be Gentiles. And guess who's over them? The devil. He's over the whole thing. You can mark that down. He's in charge, knows what he's doing. Now, you get reading all this stuff, and you get reading in the Old Testament, and you can read about Leviathan, that sea monster. He's back there in Job chapter 41 and Isaiah chapter 27, and it's wild stuff. I'm teaching Job in Sunday school right now, and our people think that it's just going back and forth, and they think, well, this is going to be all right. Job's talking to his friends, and Job's down and out, and his friends come to comfort him, but they're not giving him any comfort. They're just stomping him while he's down, and they're saying, well, you've got sins. Why don't you get right? We know what's going on here. Just confess to him, Job. Job says, well, really, I, I don't feel like I did anything. I don't know why this is what, and then he says, I'd just like for God to talk to me, and he won't even talk to me, and everybody thinks, well, that's the story, but you get reading Job, and you start reading about sea monsters, and you start reading about scientific facts, and leviathan there in the sea and it gets wild before it's over wild stuff and it's craziness what it is but anyway that's a whole nother story for another time look in verse four now and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth and the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. She's ready to have that child dead. And no doubt, you get reading those things. Um, you, first thing is, you ask, when did this happen? And it appears that it happened when Lucifer fell. This portion of it. Now you get down here in verses 7, 8, 9, this hasn't happened yet. But as far as him falling and all that, turn back to Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14 tells you what happens. You wouldn't even know his name if it wasn't for Isaiah 14. And if you've got a new Bible, which is not a Bible at all, you've changed that. And you don't even have his name. But I guarantee you when Hollywood gets ready to make a movie... They don't call him son of the morning. They call him Lucifer. When they have their television shows, it's Lucifer. Because they know everybody knows who that is. And the name Lucifer means light bearer. That's what the name means. It doesn't mean son of the morning or morning start. It means light bearer. And so you get over here in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. It says, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which just weakened the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. He hadn't been brought down there yet. But I'll tell you what did happen. He fell from heaven in verse 12. You say, how do you know he's not in hell? The Bible says he's going to and fro through the earth. I talked to Brother McFadden, Brother Robinson on the phone the other day. I hadn't talked to him this year. Well, he was The only time i talked to him for just a few minutes. I said, well, what you been doing? He said, oh, just going to and fro. He said, just like that old enemy. He said, I cross him every now and then too. <laughs> so he's always, uh, he'll give a giggle, you know. But he's going to and fro preaching is what he's doing. <laughs> going different places, you know. That's his phrase. But, that is, I mean, that's biblical talk. He's just going here and there to preach the gospel and things like that. The devil's going here and there to accuse the brethren. But anyway, you read this right here, and you read that he fell. Well, apparently when he came down, the Bible says in Revelation twelve four, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. You read in the Bible, and we've been through this over and over in the book of Revelation, a star usually represents an angel. Look in Revelation chapter number 1. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter number 1. Don't take my word for it. It says it. Revelation 1 verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Could it be more plain? Revelation chapter 9. You'll find them in Daniel 12 as well. Revelation chapter 9, verse 1. Revelation 9, 1. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and a hymn. The star is a hymn. That's a person. And so when I read about these stars in Revelation 12 and verse 4, there's no doubt what they are. They're angels. And it says his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and it had cast them to the earth and the dragon stood before the woman. That's already happened, which was ready to be delivered. She's already delivered and to devour her child as soon as it's born. So I've heard you teach before and you said that didn't happen yet. Well, I was wrong. I don't mind saying it. It makes me no difference. It's pretty plain right there. What has not happened is verse 7, 8, 9. And that's where you get messed up. You get reading Milton's Paradise Lost. And he'll tell you that that war has already happened in heaven. And that's when the devil. That's not when he got kicked out. He got kicked out way before that because of sin. And when he came down, he brought some angels with him. And some of the angels are not even here anymore. You say, where are they at? They're bound in chains. That's where they're at. And so there they are bound in chains of darkness. Waiting for judgment because of Genesis chapter 6. I'm not changing my mind on that. There's too many Bible verses. Amen. I'm going with the book. Let me tell you something. If the book can't correct you, you can't be corrected. You better go with the book. Revelation chapter 12. You say, how many things do you teach now that you didn't teach when you first started? I couldn't even number them. (laughs) You know what? I couldn't even number them. And I'm sure the more I go, the more it'll be. All right, Revelation 12, 4. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And so you read about that right there. You say, what's that tell me? Well, Brother Scotty told you in the book of Exodus He said, when I'm teaching Exodus, he said, I can't teach Exodus without teaching Revelation. He said, when I'm teaching Revelation, I can't teach that without teaching Exodus. He's right. And so when you get back there in Exodus and you read about Pharaoh wanting to kill all the male babies, all the male babies, you say, what is that? That's Revelation that you're reading right here. It goes right back to that. It's the time of Christ. You say, well, Christ wasn't alive back then. He tried to nip it in the bud. He knew he was coming. Look in Genesis 3. Genesis 3. He knew it at least since then, probably before that. But he for sure knew it by then. Genesis chapter 3. You say, where does the virgin birth enter into the Bible the first time? Genesis 3. And you got Genesis 3. He cursed the serpent. You remember that? He's talking to him. And the Lord said unto the serpent, verse 14, he's talking to him. Verse 15, and I will put enmity, that's to make an enemy, between thee, between you, serpent, and the woman, and between thy seed, your seed, serpent, and her seed. The woman's seed, the woman doesn't have a seed. You say, what is that? It's the virgin birth. It, the woman's seed, shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. That's a prophecy about Christ. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, and the devil never forgot it, and before you could get very far into Exodus, within the first chapter, he's already tried to kill all the male babies that came from Israel. Is that not amazing? He tried to get Moses dead before he could ever even move. And the rest of them too. And then you go down the line and the New Testament opens the same way, but this time it's Herod. Herod wanted to kill all the babies. Let's just wipe them all out. He wanted them down. Look at Matthew chapter 1. I didn't turn to Exodus. I'm not going to turn there either. How about Matthew chapter 2 rather? Matthew chapter 2. Gospel, Matthew chapter two. <laughs> Wrong gospel won't work, will it? <laughs> if you need Matthew two, John two is not going to cut it. Now I'm like Brother Scotty; I'm passing things. And that's what happens. Matthew chapter number two. Matthew chapter two. And by the way, that you get yeah. Matthew chapter two. That's what I'm wanting now. Matthew chapter number 2, and you get down in here, and it says in verse 13, And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. What a mess they were in. He said he wanted to worship him, but yet he really wanted to kill him. He said, why did Herod want to do that? Herod didn't want to do it. Somebody else wanted it done, and he used Herod to try to get it done. Pharaoh didn't care, don't know what he was doing, but somebody else knew what he was doing, and he used Pharaoh to try to get it all through the Bible. Don't think for a minute that Haman wanted to hang Mordecai and exterminate the Jews and wipe them all out, the whole people. That was the devil. And he wanted to exterminate them because he didn't want Christ to come. The whole book is about him. Get the big picture in your mind. All of it's about him. He was trying to prevent him from ever being born. And now that he is born, he wants to change your Bible and tell you that he wasn't who he said he was. And so you get the word virgin and they take it out. Now she's a young woman. And let me tell you, I live in the 2020s. You can be a young woman and not be a virgin. That's a shame, but that's the time we're living in. All right, we're going to stop right there. Take a break.